Welcome to episode 1, season 11 of The Versatile Writer, providing support and encouragement to writers and creatives. If you listen to season 10, you'll know in this season I'm continuing with the alphabet. That is, I'm taking each letter of the alphabet and using it as a prompt related to writing and the writing world. I generally talk about it from my own experiences and I truly believe that if it means something to me or I found a way around an issue, then others will have too and it might help them. I got up to O last season so I'm carrying on with P today and if you give it a moment's thought you'll realise that P includes a huge amount of writing related things so today's episode is jam-packed. Before I begin though, a bit of housekeeping. I record my podcasts next to a sometimes open window in my office, which is next to a bird feeder and a road. At times you'll hear birds flapping and chirping and vehicles swoosh by. The information shared within this podcast is, I believe, more important than the the polishedness of the tech, but I quite like the unpolishedness of this podcast. It's kind of raw, which I quite love. I hope you do too. Oh, and unpolishedness that's clearly not a word but hey it is now i've had contributions or help from members of the facebook group arcane quill so big thanks to zelma and Cher for your input with both last season and this one you can subscribe to this podcast for free and have it arrive automatically when it's published please tell your friends and family about it because you never know it just might speak to them lastly You can further the discussions of topics I raise on here on its dedicated Facebook group. The link is in the show notes or you can type the Versatile Writer podcast group into Facebook search bar. So here we go. Season 11, episode 1, P. I'm covering publishing, prioritise, playing, pressure, procrastinating, point of view, plot devices, pronouns, prologue, podcast, plagiarism, promotions and punctuation. As you can tell, there's quite a lot. I did say it was jam-packed. So P for publishing. This is the activity of making your book available to be bought by the public. It sounds so easy when you say it quick like that and in essence it is. What isn't easy is the time, perhaps years of effort you put into making it the best it can be and the emotion attached to it before it goes or negative reviews you might get when people read it. That part is most definitely trickier. But in the spirit of being balanced, for every negative thing in the world, there's going to be a positive one too. If publishing wasn't amazing when it works well, then we wouldn't all be in this game, would we? So there you have it. As far as I know, there are several methods to publish your work, and they include traditional publishing, when you submit your manuscript to an agent who sells it to a publishing house, Independent publishing, where a small press publishes your work. Self-publishing, when an individual, the author, publishes it themselves. And hybrid publishing, where a small press and the author both meet the costs of publishing the manuscript. And the resulting book might take the form of, or can be assumed as, a hardback book, a paperback, an audio file book, or an e-book. And that's publishing in a nutshell. P for Prioritise. I'm going to be harsh here, but if you want to write or be a writer, then you have to actively write. Talking about it isn't writing. 
Having a brilliant story in your head can be read by nobody, but writing it down drastically increases your chances of it being picked up for publication or publishing it yourself. Prioritise your writing and your writing time. If writing is that important to you, then you'll need to find the time to make it work. So prioritise it, like I said, harsh but true. P is for play. Play is how I describe what I'm doing when I'm working out what a story might look like. I also use this term when I'm not expecting anything specific at the end of a creative session. And my creative sessions aren't always about writing either. They could be dressmaking, painting, crafting, or just about anything. So play, play with words, play with their meanings, play with their construction removing any kind of pressure and you may find you'll create something very special indeed. P is for pressure. Having just highlighted play, pressure seems appropriate here. Of course, pressure doesn't have to be a bad thing and in my experience, it has two distinct faces. Pressure in the form of motivation and pressure that somehow squeezes the breath out of us. The pressure that motivates us is when we're trying to achieve a goal or reach a deadline. Perhaps we have someone who's waiting for the project and leaving them waiting makes us feel a little bit icky. After all, who wants to keep someone waiting? Pressure can motivate us into getting things done, so it gives us a much needed kick up the backside if and when we're procrastinating. The pressure we feel when we're unable to get moving is the frustrating kind. When you need to pay bills but have no money, when you need to get somewhere but the car is being temperamental, when you need to write something amazing or your agent will give up on you but nothing is forthcoming. Okay, the last example is not something many of us have felt, but you get my drift. In my experience, which, let's face it, everything on the versatile writer is, pressure can also form from ourselves without even the slightest bit of help from other people. In the past, I've set myself ridiculous deadlines, and if I didn't look like I'd reach them, I'd move heaven and earth until I did. While it's a great feeling to know you've achieved the thing in the time you gave yourself, it's also worth knowing that the stress you put yourself under and the way you are with others is probably not that great. Now, I do tend to pride myself on my work ethic, but sometimes you have to accept the advice from others that putting yourself under unnecessary stress is ridiculous. If things don't go well with the project, chances are it's because you're too tired to think straight. Of course, others work well under even more pressure. If that's you, I take my hat off to you. Pressure can be good or bad. I suspect dependent on your frame of mind. P is for procrastinating. This is something that so many of us do for more than just writing. Procrastination usually happens when the thing we're putting off either bores us or requires a lot of thinking about. I find myself procrastinating when I've got a job that requires thought and commitment and I need time to do the thing rather than a bit here and a bit there. It's amazing that what we end up doing in place of the actual thing though. You may have heard writers have the cleanest homes because they're doing that instead of writing. Windows are polished to within an inch of their lives. Skirting boards are shiny. Cars are cleaned and sparkling. And every meal is planned from now until the end of the month. All because we didn't want to focus on the thing. 
I've looked into procrastination on, on earlier seasons of The Versatile Writer and really analysed it in an everyday person kind of way. Why not look it up? It may help you to discover why you're putting off your particular thing and help you approach the job in a way that suits you rather than repels you. P equals point of view. This is about in whose point of view you're telling the story or the narrative. This applies to fiction and non-fiction, but let's say you're writing a story about a woman who's on her way to be interviewed for her dream job as an executive personal assistant. The narration is likely to be from her point of view. So let's use first person point of view. So we, the reader, will discover her thoughts on the situation so she sees her competitors sitting outside the interview room. We're instantly privy to her thoughts. Let's call her Ellie. As I walked through the doorway, I instantly see the interview room and the seats outside. There are already people waiting and I realise I'm not the first to go in. It's all open plan out here and there's nowhere to hide. Another woman, about my age, looks up at me. She smiles and I return it. She looks totally on it. Her hair is twisted up in a bun and she's wearing a suit. She doesn't have a hair out of place. I hadn't even considered her to wear my hair, so I left it down. Thank goodness I brushed it. A guy sits next to her. I smile at him too, but he doesn't return it. In fact, he looks away. He's a bit older, and with age comes experience, right? And confidence in bucket loads. And being male, I guess the job's already his. I wasn't worried before, but now I see the competition. I'm all nerves. Let's say, for argument's sake, we jump the other woman's mind. We'll call her Angie. This could be what Angie's thinking. Another girl. Brilliant. She's going to get this easily. I mean, look at her. She's young, slim, attractive, well-dressed. Why did I trust myself up like a turkey? Her hair's flowing freely and I look like I ought to be a headmistress. I've got no chance now. Let's turn our thoughts to the man, Gary, and the situation from his point of view. Two women, both of them look like they could do this job standing on their heads and with their arms tied behind their backs. I should have stayed in my previous job, but no, instead I had to be the big man and walk out. I shouldn't have hit my boss, but he was an idiot keep moaning that I was messing around. If they ask why I'm unemployed, I'll make something up. Tell them there was nowhere to be promoted to, no prospects further than I already was. Yeah, that'll work. How hard can it be being, being an executive PA anyway? It's just running around the city all day. I could spend half of it at Starbucks and not be missed. Yeah, this will be an easy one. That's a different perspective from three different people. And each point of view gives you a reasonable amount to go on. If you were to write this same story out for each of them, you would probably know by this point which character you'd feel you'd had the most mileage to continue from that point of view. Ellie, Angie or Gary. P equals plot devices. A plot device progresses the plot. Sometimes it forces the story into another direction too. Plot devices don't have to be big things either. They just need to keep the story moving. I once wrote a short story where a woman, about to be married, saw the wedding dress she was expected to wear hanging in the cupboard. Seeing it made the whole thing too real. She took it out and felt the fabric, then put it on and stared at herself in the mirror. From the moment she saw the dress, she realised she was about to marry the wrong person. The dress was the plot device. Had she not seen the dress, she may well have gone through with the wedding. P 
for pronouns. I want you to include pronouns in this section because while we hear about them in everyday life, in the news, on TV and among our friends, including them in our fiction makes perfect sense. Including LGBT plus characters within your stories and not just for the sake of it, but because they will have a vital role within your plot, is worth your while. This is because your reading audience is made up of all members of the community and overlooking one demographic just because you aren't sure how to handle them might be an aspect of your process to look at. I want to thank Cher Worth here, her assistance. Years ago, I wrote a three-part story entitled Stevie about a young gay teenage boy who was at his therapist's office at boarding school. There was a massive twist in the tale that was one of my first, wow, that's clever, moments in my serious writing. When I was at uni, many years later, I wrote a short story for an assignment about a female couple just before they were married. There was a large age gap between them and, as it turned out, it was a controlling relationship, but subtly so. So subtle, in fact, that my tutor almost didn't pick up on it at all. That in itself taught me how much more overt some of my writing needed to be. Some people might be appalled that me, a heterosexual woman, included a demographic that I'm not. But if you only include characters that look like you and have lives like you and who have interests that you don't, aren't you missing a huge adventure with storytelling? For what it's worth, I've also written from the point of view of a man, and I'm clearly not. That was in Living and Loving in Texas, in case you want to check it out. Writing a story means you have access to everything and everyone you create, because they all came from your brain. Don't hold back just because the person is not like you. Think of it this way. If a book is about a murder, chances are the author didn't murder someone just so they could write about it. Hopefully not anyway. We all have an, ima an imagination to stretch and use and exercise in whatever way is needed to get across the story in the most informing and entertaining of ways. Use it well. If your character is gay, lesbian, non-binary, bi, pan, trans, heterosexual or whatever, Make the effort to use the correct pronouns for them so other characters have to use them in dialogue. I believe it's about respecting your characters as if they were real people, just as you should respect genuine people in the community. As I always say, if you believe your characters are real people when you're writing them, then your word choice will make your readers believe it too. P for prologue. Ooh, another controversial topic here. For decades, both prologues and epilogues were a thing. Readers were happy with them, publishers accepted them, and writers wrote them. Then, at some point, they just went out of fashion. Much like semicolons, but that's a whole other show. Prologues are intended to be a lead-in to the story itself, just as the epilogue is there to tie up what happened afterwards. Many people feel, and quite rightly for some stories, that both ought to be merged into the first and last chapters. I agree, but for some stories. There are some stories that absolutely need that lead in and lead out. There, I said it. P is for podcast. You probably know what these are because you're listening to one right now. However, if by some strange situation you're listening to it without knowing what it is, please allow me to explain. A podcast is a digital audio file that is available to download. Upon that file can be all manner of content. This one is creative writing related. I called it the versatile writer 
because there are so many kinds of writing that occasionally overlap, it made sense to con consider its versatility. Thus, the versatile writer was born. I use this podcast as a free service that sits on the periphery of my paid services on my business website for the love of books. P is for personification. Ooh, this is quite cool. Personification is when you give an inanimate object or something non-human, human actions or characteristics. For instance, you might say the river ran down the mountain. Think about it. Water does not have legs, therefore it cannot run. Another might be, I sat on the beach as the sun kissed my skin. Again, the sun does not have lips. The wheat field danced in the breeze. My mug sat on the desk all day without me taking a single sip. The winter winds sang its sad song of loneliness. My treadmill groans and sighs when I stand on it. His paintbrush danced across the canvas. These metaphorical images give the reader a better idea of the sentence and it's also a lovely way to embellish your writing. Poetic in some places. P is for plagiarism. A very quick and easy way to define this is it's theft. Plagiarism is stealing. Taking content created by someone else without their permission for your own use is plagiarism. The copyright symbol, that is the C inside the circle, has been created for your work security. If you want to know more about copyright or plagiarism, check out the Intellectual Property website. It'll vary around the globe, as does the, its legal aspects, but for the United Kingdom, you can visit www.gov.uk forward slash intellectual hyphen property. P is for promotions or promo. I use the word promo a lot on social media. It's just a shortened version of promotional. As a business person, I generally create a lot of promotional stuff that is intended to draw the attention of hopeful clients. Turning that attention into a sale is quite another thing, of course. Over the years, I've used a diverse amount of things to promote whatever it is I want to sell. I've used stationery, clothing, canvas bags, jewellery, books, discounted offers, photographs, experiences, myself, all kinds of things. The trick is to use something appropriate to the thing you want to sell. Or if it's not, have it quirky enough that people will see it as a clever way of promoting the thing. Often, you'll see big-named authors using a book as a loss leader or promotional item to draw attention to their newest book. Similarly, magazines will offer a freebie to get you to buy the magazine. A decade ago, I published the first edition of I've Got a Pen and I'm Not Afraid to Use It, my book on finding confidence to write. At the launch, atop a boat, which in itself was a quirky way to get people's attention, I gave away a pen with each book sold. The fact the book was called I've Got a Pen and I'm Not Afraid to Use It and the readers got a free pen with it was a pretty good promo idea. For what it's worth, I recently republished I've Got a Pen. In fact, it was October 2023. To promote this second edition, I gathered a group of writers from around the UK and had them ask me questions about the book and I answered them. This Q&A was used in an online book tour that went particularly well, as each time I posted the Q&A with one author, 
they reposted it too. It went on for four days and a summary of all the questions was posted on the final day. This is another way of promoting your work. P is for punctuation. Let's end on a fun one today. Punctuation is what writers use to tell the reader when to finish the sentence, when to pause, when to know the characters are speaking, that kind of thing. Now, if you think about it, it's a sort of code from writers to readers. I really love thinking of it that way. I mentioned earlier that the semicolon had gone out of fashion. I still use it, and I do so, by the way, of reminding readers and publishers, for that matter, that it still has its uses. It isn't redundant. It's a beautiful little piece of the literary world that still has a job to do and is still doing a good job. For that, I love it. The interrobang is a cheeky one too. In case you don't know, it's an exclamation mark right next to and sometimes on top of a question mark. Most professional bodies won't use it because it's an incredibly informal piece of punctuation. That said, it makes me want to use it more. Its intended use is when you have both a surprise remark and a question simultaneously. For instance, someone might say, you're wearing that? I hope you found some interesting, exciting and entertaining stuff within episode one of season 11. Don't forget to subscribe and it'll appear like magic in your inbox when the next episode is published. Thank you for listening to The Versatile Writer. Bye for now.